Hello, all you beautiful people. Welcome to War on Weak Sauce. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about mental health and the struggles that can bring to a relationship or any marriage. We have Angela Newcomb on the podcast, the wife of Adrian Newcomb, a good friend of mine. Adrian struggles with post-traumatic stress and brain traumatic injury. Angela, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. When I first met Adrian, I don't know if you heard this story, but um, we were in a chow hall at the Bay Pines VA, and uh, I had put some paperwork um, down at a place I was going to sit before I got in line. Adrian and his you know, buddies came in after me, got in line right away, so I ended up behind them in line which meant they ended up sitting in the seat I wanted to sit in and threw my paperwork on another <laughs> table. Yeah, and, he did uh, tell me about that. It was awesome. Uh, well, it's fun to look back at it. At the time, I was, I was, I was irritated. And, uh, You're lucky you didn't beat his face in, right? No, I, um, but uh, no, Adrian, I, I, I remember... I uh, I grabbed my paperwork and I said, you guys move my paperwork, you know, that's where I was sitting. And he goes, he says, you don't want to sit with us? And I said, <laughs> I said, no, I don't want to sit with you guys. Anyways, long story short, Adrian and I ended up being um, really good friends. And uh, um, I'm very thankful because, I, I, you know, I can't, um, he's super loyal Um and uh, if I asked him to come here and help me out, you know, he would be here the next day. And I live in Cincinnati, and you guys live in Calham, Florida. So um, that's, that's a huge thing, and um, I'm grateful to have a friend like that. Well, we're thankful for you too, Benny. You're a good friend. Thank you. Angela, you are um, you're going to be my first guest on this podcast. It's... Um, it's, uh, it's kind of designed to um, bring attention um, to uh, the, bring a, awareness rather than attention to um, the general public about what it's like to um, live uh, with a combat uh, veteran who's been through things and what it's like to be a veteran who's been through quite a bit of combat and trauma. Um, so thank you for being my first guest. How are you doing today? Oh, you're welcome. I'm honored. I'm good. How was work? I know Angela is a nurse and, um, you know, when I think of nurses, I think of these crazy hours. You guys worked, you know, 14 hour shifts and, you know, you just got off work and, um, you're coming on this podcast. So thank you. How was work? It was fine. I, I only did like four hours today because we're having to test for COVID before surgery. So I went right. in and did that for a few hours. Okay. All right. Well, how's um, how was how's all th- how's this going? How's the COVID affecting your guys' um, family life? I know you guys are pretty isolated. You live kind of in the boonies as it is. Um, I can't imagine it affected you a whole lot. I don't think it's really affected us too much. Um, I mean, Adrian pretty much stays home most of the time anyway. Um, 
I mean, it is a little stressful for me being out and about. You know, I'm the one that gets exposed. Um, but, yeah, no, we're good. No, yeah. I'm not too scared of it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I had the COVID, as you know, and um, I, you know, I was sick. I'm not going to say it's no joke or anything, but, you know, I didn't end up in a hospital on a respirator like um, the okay. media outlets like to um, make you think it's going to happen. So you and Adrian have been married how long? Um, it'll be 13 years in November. Okay. So you guys have been kind of through the thick and thin. You met him while you were in, while he was still in the military, and you guys... Um, no, he actually got out of the military and came back home because he was stationed in Colorado um, when he got out. Um, and he came back home, and I met him after he came back home. So he was already out of the military when we met. I knew his brother, um, but I never knew Adrian. Okay. Um, and my cousin introduced us um, because he graduated with Adrian, and they were like at a job, and he's like, "I haven't seen you in so many years." And Adrian's like, "Yeah, I've been gone." And anyway, he's like, "I need to introduce you to somebody." So hmm. he came to church and met me, and then we've been together ever since. That's great. Sounds good. Adrian, by the way, is a um, he was in the army and uh, served with an infantry unit and was in the Battle of Ramadi. Um, Adrian... That was his second tour. His first tour was... um, Well, he went to Baghdad in 03, like March of 03. Right. And then wherever else after that. But the Ramadi, I think that was his second tour. Right. So that was the tour that... um, that really, um, there was a lot of battle and trauma in terms of um, Ramadi and, and Fallujah were really hot at that time. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he suffered some injuries there. Um, he, he uh, Adrian, um, d- developed narcolepsy, right? Yes. So Adrian was in an explosion and um, it, he ended up uh, developing narcolepsy. What was that like going through the, were you there for the process of him exiting the uh, VA and the claims process? And was that, can you talk a little bit about that and how difficult that was? Well, he, um, so we got, he got out of the military um, at the end of 05 beginning of 06, I guess, was, like, you know, official, whatever, Um, and then we got, we met in December of 06, we got married in November of 07, and he, right after we got married, said that he, like, I took him to the emergency room, because he said that he didn't feel good, he felt like, he described it like he felt like he had been poisoned, like he was really dizzy in the head, and all of that, um, they said he was fine. They said he had vertigo or something and said he was fine, sent him home. And then we went to the VA in like 2008 um, because I knew some of the things that had happened to him, but I didn't know. He actually had, there was like three different instances where he had um, explosions and um, had 
multiple concussions and, you know, loss of consciousness while he was over there. Um, and then he, you know, just picked back up and carried on with his duties because that was the least of the injuries compared to, you know, the other guys and stuff. So, um, so in 2008, we went, you know, went to the VA. I was with him for like all of his appointments. I sent him for a TBI workup. Um, and basically they just were like, yeah, you can walk and talk like you're fine. You know, that was the extent of it. Um, and so we quit going to the VA. He was working. I was working. We had other health insurance. So we started using our own health insurance to use private doctors to try to figure out what was wrong with him. And he had a sleep study. We are thinking, because he was so tired all the time. And we are thinking that maybe he had sleep apnea. And they said, no, you do not have sleep apnea, but there's definitely something wrong with your sleep. So he ended up going back for another like sleep latency test or something. And and then there's blood work to go along with it to diagnose narcolepsy. And he was, he had all of that. So he was diagnosed with narcolepsy in like either 2008 or 2009. Um, and, that, and that was not through the VA. He didn't start going back to the VA until 2017. Okay. Yeah. And the reason he started going back to the VA was because through this time period where he was trying to be treated for his narcolepsy and, you know, knowing that he had some underlying PTSD, you know, not, but not really, I mean, that not being at the forefront of his concern, I guess, you know, he just kind of would push things down and, and, and you know, move on. And But he physically felt unwell, you know. Um, and he would, so he was going to a psychiatrist, a private psychiatrist, um, and they had tried him on different medications, you know, to help, different antidepressants and things to try to help treat the narcolepsy and just, make his overall quality of life better. Um, he was continuing to work and everything. And um, the psychiatrist said, you need to go back to the VA because I think that a lot of your problems have stemmed from your military service. And so we did. We started going back. And it took a lot of pushing to get them to even look at him for TBI again because they were going back to the initial time we had went for his TBI workup in 2008 and said, you know, they did this four-hour, you know, exam on you and everything was fine and they wouldn't send him to a TBI clinic and stuff. And I was like, no, no, they didn't. I was there. I remember this. And he's having problems. And so we had to fight, really, um, to get him to even be seen in a TBI clinic. And he was seen there a few times with a nice lady, um, and I also had to argue with her some, though, um, because yeah. they just wanted to send him out. Um, yeah. And I pushed for him to get an MRI, and I pushed for him to see a neurologist. Um, and so they did send us to a neurologist within the VA, and he was wonderful. And he spent probably two hours with Adrian. It was very, very thorough. And he's the one that concluded that his narcolepsy was either – caused by or made worse by the traumatic brain injuries that he had suffered in Iraq. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I remember being um, in therapy with Adrian and him talking about, um, you know, his struggles with narcolepsy. And uh, he, did, he did mention um, 
how um, the mil the um, the military tried to or the government I'm sorry rather tried to make it look like it was something that had happened prior or post military career and I think yeah. I think I think what a lot of veterans suffer with <clears throat> um, problems with is with the VA is that's what happens you know if it's not in your military record during your service mm-hmm. um, it's you know you it's very difficult to get care for that yeah. and um, it's very difficult to it's a it's a process to go through to try and prove something like this happened um, because of something you know and yeah. so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very tasking, um, you know, uh, it, thank God for people like you, Angela and Fiona, I like Adrian and I always say, if it wasn't for you, uh, you guys, we'd be dead, you know, cause yeah. the one common thing I hear about is like you saying, oh, I pushed him to do this and I pushed him to do that and we, we got this and we got that done. And and Fiona does that a lot for me as well. You know, she'll say, well, did you make your appointments? Did this happen? You know, like, where are we at with this? And so it's very similar. And, um, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of, uh, I would think that's the way most marriages happen, you know, like, you know, regardless of what your circumstances are, I think the woman is kind of like in, in, in a marriage or a relationship, I think they're kind of like that, you know, organizer, if you will. But I think yeah. I, I think we struggle with just trying to or I shouldn't say we just, you know, combat veterans in general struggle with um, trying to um, get, you know, get things put together that, you know, I remember Adrian saying, um, I didn't think I had PTSD. When they told me I had it, I was like, no, I don't. You yeah. know, it's uh, it's like almost like a sign of weakness, you know. So um, it's it's really hard to kind of um, go uh, grasp that. Um, I wanted to talk. I think that the, the TBI and the PTSD, you know, combo and like so many veterans are, are like we're seeing so many veterans with that you know, combination, and it's like the reasoning and the, you know, they're able to rationalize is so, like, diminished with the TBIs, it's very, it's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of these, a lot of combat vets have been through IED explosions, and um, so, yeah, they've, they've suffered major um, concussions, and, um, brain injury you know so and and and, you know and it's it's kind of like a double whammy you know like it's ptsd the guys struggle with depression and high anxiety and and um awareness and and brain traumatic injury just kind of just piggybacks on that from things I've been reading and um, researching. So it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, You know, Angela, one of the things you, you had spoken to me about was, you know, and I think it's pretty, 
pretty pertinent to put out there in the world. Marriage is hard enough on its own. Like the last conversation we had, you had said something like that. Um, even when things are perfect, marriage is super hard. When you have to, when you have to add the struggles of being married to a combat veteran who struggles with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, um, is dealing with narcolepsy, and um, it, it can be overwhelming. I'm sure. Can Can you just um, talk a little bit about how? you know, how that affects you guys, um, affects your marriage? Um, yeah, I mean, I think marriages have their own problems regardless of, you know, of, of these types of issues. Um, marriage is hard in and of itself, but when you throw in, um, the PTSD and the TBI and, the, and all the problems, you know, it, it adds, so much more that like normal people, you know, I think normal people don't like, don't understand, you know, um, it puts a big strain on our marriage. I mean, it does. I'm not going to lie. Um, it puts a big strain on our family. I have to, you know, explain to my kids, like why, why daddy's in a bad mood or, or angry or, you know, um, I mean, and that's bad, but they need to, they need to understand. Um, I think one thing that, that helped me, um, my dad was a Vietnam vet and, um, growing up, he would, he was like a loner, you know, he wanted to just kind of be by himself. Like he loved us. He, he provided for us. He, he, was, he was a good dad, you know? Um, but he would get real like agitated really, really easily. Um, with you couldn't be like loud or anything like that. Um, he would just get real angry. And so I grew up around that and that I didn't really understand why, you know, I, I kind of just thought it was him, but then Mary and Adrian and, and seeing kind of some similar, you know, things as far as like loud noises and, and just, crowds and chaos and being in cities and hypervigilance and things like that, um, it started to make me realize, like, why my dad was the way he was growing up, you know? Um, so I could, I can kind of sympathize more with Adrian, you know, maybe a little bit, um, because of growing up around my dad. Now, with that being said, there are, you know, it is harder Adrian because I mean I'm his wife you know he's not he's not my dad it, it's, it's different it's definitely harder right so you guys are co-parenting together um I shouldn't say co-parenting that that sounds like you guys are split <laughs> up or divorced but you guys are are parenting together you have this household you have three young boys and um so you know you you have way more skin in the game, you know, versus just yeah. kind of, you know, oh, my dad's in a bad mood. I'll stay away from him. Um, right. That's, you know, and, and let, let, let me preface this before I go on to my next kind of um, tangent. But <clears throat> Adrian's a great, great person. I love the man. I, like, he would do anything for me. He's a great, like, from what I've seen, he's a great father. I remember 
being with him at Bay Pines and you know, he would talk about missing his boys football and it tore him up. So yeah. he he loves his kids, he loves his you know, he loves you, he loves his family. Um it's just the struggles he deals with on a daily basis and this is what we're trying to um bring attention to and awareness that that you know this is a struggle for a lot of people and people you know and as you as you coined the term the normal people or the um the society uh, you know the the people who don't deal with um these these traumatic problems in their marriage and family um they they it's hard for them to understand, you know. So yeah, it's, it's like not it's something that's not even on their radar, right? You know? it's right. You to think about. So, with that being said, I know you said earlier um, that your your sons they're the, you know they're worried about their father. Why is dad in a bad mood? What's going on? You know, how do you how do you handle that? And what do you tell your your children? Adrian doesn't want to address it with the kids. Like, he would rather them just think that everything's okay. Like, to basically just sugarcoat it for them and and sort of shelter them from it. And, you know, to a certain degree, I do agree with that. You know, kids shouldn't know the raw details. But at the same time... um, But let me stop you there real quick. I think that's a normal parenting thing. I normally... um, tend to shelter my kids from things and you know um that's that's just like my you know it's a um that's what i i would do without thinking it's a yeah it's a reaction thing so yeah i'm sorry go ahead i mean you know and i get it and i I mean to a certain extent yes i do agree i think that you know they don't they don't need to know everything um but i I, I tell them the truth on their level. Like, I say, you know, Daddy got an explosion. Because, like, right now he's gone. He's in treatment. And um, they know why. They say because Daddy got an explosion um, when he was fighting the bad guys. And it hurt his brain. And so he it goes to the doctors to try to to try to feel better. To try to not, you know, to try to not be, um, get mad or, and things like that. Um, and he, um, he, uh, kind of got mad at me for, for talking to them about it. But then, but then he, but then he come back and said that, you know, he understands and that they, you know, you can't just, they know when something's wrong. And if you don't tell them some version of the truth, I feel like their mind is just going to be fixated on it. And they're going to know for the rest of their life that something was wrong and that everybody lied to them about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, I don't think that's good for a kid. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Do you feel like a lot of, do you feel like he, for the most part, tries to, he would rather sweep things under the rug? Like, it's, 
it's painful or, or exhausting for him to deal with the um, the task or like um, a conversation with their children like that, for example. Um, rather than deal with it, he just he would rather kind of you know put it on the back burner. I think that that's um, a behavior that he learned as a kid. Honestly, to just sweep things under the rug and not address it um, because of his childhood. I think that that's something that he learned to do. Um, okay. Do you... It's for, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes, you know, when you can just push things down and not think about it and tuck it away, like, it, it works. But um, some things you do have to bring to the surface. Um, one thing... When he started going to the VA again in 2017, um, they put him immediately in therapy, cognitive processing therapy. Um, and he would go on his lunch breaks to this therapy. Um, and honestly, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back because everything that he had been pushing down for so many years was now brought to the surface and it just stirred up this whole pot of like really, really bad, I guess, memories. And he made this drastic, like just downward spiral at that point. Um, to the point that he quit his job, just up and quit his job in March um, of 2018, he, he made a big decline, um, and we've been trying to reel it back in ever since. Yeah. So Adrian was a, um, a pipe fitter for the city of Jacksonville with his brother, right? He was a, well, he's a journeyman pipe fitter and welder, um, out of the local union, but he worked, um, for the city of Jacksonville, um, as a, a wastewater mechanic. Okay. Yeah. I remember him, um, talking a little bit about that and, <clears throat> and, uh, and how he struggled with, um, with the human resources manager. And, um, so I remember that whole story. I don't, I don't think we really need to kind of get into that, but, um, the other thing I wanted, like, not only do a lot of veterans seem to sweep thing, try to sweep things on a rug, but they, for example, you said he got mad at you at first for talking to your children about, you know, his struggles with, um, you know, brain traumatic, you know, explosions, as you call the daddy was in an explosion and he's trying to go get treatment. And then he came back later and apologized and said, you know, it was the right thing to do. Do you feel like, yeah. do you feel like that, that happens often, like, you know, age, you know, he'll, the, you know, first glance, you know, is an overreaction. Why did you do this? Yeah. And then, and then comes back and, um, ha, you know, thinks about it for, you know, a day or two and comes back and, um, says, you know, you're, you're right. Do you feel like that's pretty consistent? Yeah, um, well, he, so when he's, like, just calm and thinking rationally, you know, we agree on everything. I mean, we don't, you know, we agree, but then in the heat of the moment or 
you know, maybe when he's feeling so down or so depressed or something like that, you know, he he has a different he has a different viewpoint in the in the heat of the moment. I don't uh, it, I don't know. It's the processing, maybe the rationalization. Um, I don't know, but yeah, that does happen. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the brain with post traumatic stress, you know. Um, I'll give you an example, like driving down the street and you see a box in the road, your rational brain says it's just a box, but like you react like it's an IED, right? So, um, I mean, I've been, you know, I've talked to veterans, you know, for the last, you know, 10 years and um, that's one of the most, um, that's that's a great example that a lot of them have given me. Um, so it's just I think that's kind of how things work. You know, it's just more like reaction. Um, he says that he feels like he's being attacked sometimes. So like when he, you know, is like really heightened, you know, anxiety or or something, um, and we're talking, he. And maybe I'm asking him questions. It's reasonable. It's legitimate. It's, you know, we're a husband and wife. You know, whatever. I'm asking him questions. I'm asking him details. You know, I'm a woman. We need details. And he feels like he's being questioned and attacked. Like, he goes on the defensive. Okay, yeah. I I hear, I hear a lot of that, too, totally. Um, <clears throat> honestly, um just sitting in groups with veterans for the last 10 years, that that's one of the biggest complaints with a lot of um, spouses. So um, Adrian's definitely not um, different there. Uh-huh. Let me ask you a question. Are, I want you to, we talked a little bit, well, we talked quite a bit about the trip to Alaska um, not that you guys have that booked or anything, but um, can you can you elaborate a little bit? There's this um, what what would you call it? A couples retreat for veterans who are struggling with, uh, or couples rather. And let me say this real quick. Now that I think about it, women, wives, and girlfriends struggle just as much. I was reading a study by the U.S. National Library of Medicine that um, talked about how they, they did a study. They took a lot of wives um, with uh, of soldiers and Marines and sailors that had post-traumatic stress. And um, a, lot of the, a lot of the wives and partners ended up, you know, having severe symptoms of PTSD. So, yeah, mm-hmm. right, secondary, exactly. Secondary tra- traumatization of wives, uh, wives, of war veterans and post-traumatic yeah, stress real disorder. Thing, yeah. Right. So I don't want to, like you, you know, you're a soldier in your own right, Angela. And I know you would never say that, but I'm going to tell you that right now. I've seen you guys. I've spent a ton of time with you. I love you guys. You guys are a great family and you are a soldier in your own right. You hold the ship down when the water's coming in, you know? Um, so what I wanted to ask you was, 
Can you tell me a little bit about the 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 retreat? Uh, and can you can you kind of talk a little bit about how when you first found out about it, you and Adrian sat down and watched it and the emotions that kind of went through. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's um, it's a a ministry called Samaritan's Purse, and they put on this um, retreat called Operation Kill Our Patriots, and it's a um, I think it's five days in Alaska um, for military or post-9-11 combat veterans, combat-wounded veterans, and their spouse. Um, And it's all, um, it's Christ-centered, biblical. um, They have chaplains there to help minister to the the veteran and their wife. Or, I mean, I guess there's probably women veterans who bring their husband, um, but it's mostly, you know, men and their wife. Um, And we watched a video Somebody, my cousin had sent it to me, um, and it's supposed to be a healing time for um, for the veteran and their wife um, to, to heal from past hurts and struggles that they've you know gone through to try to bring them together um, to move forward and move on. Um, you know, through, through this ministry, through the healing ministry of Christ, basically. Um, and so we watched the video that my cousin had sent to me back in like January or something. And she's like, y'all should apply for this. Um, so we watched it and we heard the people that put this, this retreat on, um, and to hear them talk, they, it was like, they got it. You know, they, it was like, it was like they understood that like, Every couple, every marriage has its problems, but when you add this stuff on, there's such specific, such um, such added stress, and, it, and it's specific to combat wounded veterans, you know, and their spouse that, that you add to the mix. And, and the, the way that they talked about it, it was like they understood that, you know, and I was like, gosh, somebody gets it, you know, and not only does somebody get it, but it's like they're doing what God's told them to do. You know, and just putting this on for veterans and their wives to bring them to bring about healing in their marriage and to bring them, you know, closer together and so they can move forward. And we both just looked at each other and we both started crying during this video. I mean, just that somebody would get it and that somebody would go to those, you know, that far to, to help which is, it was amazing. And it gave us a hope, really, it did, you know. Thank you, Angela, for being on the show today. Is there anything you would like to add? Any last-minute things or um, subjects or content I didn't cover? Yeah, um, there was, I'm on a group on Facebook um, of wives of veterans with PTSD, um, and there was a woman who asked the question, why do you stay with your wounded warrior? That's what they call the the spouse. And um, there was a whole bunch of different answers, and um, it was a good question. And I I thought about it, and I answered, because somebody has to not give up on him. Somebody has to be there for him and believe, you know, that he's going to get better and believe in him. And and that's why I stay. 
I said for better or for worse in my vows that I feel like, you know, we're going through the worst. Uh, we've been through a lot of the worst and still going through it. And um, and I, I can't give up on him. And And he's asked me that before, you know, please don't give up on me. And ultimately, you know, I love my husband and he's, he he's still in there, you know, the man that I married. Um, and I just, I just want my husband back, you know, that's, that's it. Yes, he is. He's a good man and, um, a great friend of mine. And, um, you know, Adrian, you know, when he's at his best, he's fantastic. And when he's at his worst, you know, like there's, there's no in between with him, me, or a lot of other uh, military brothers yeah. um, that I that I served with. So I I understand that. Um, yeah, that's that's super powerful. How was that received when um, you said that? How how did the other um, significant others, wives, or husbands take that? They there was. I mean, it's just thank you for saying that. You know, that's why I stay with mine. I think that the lady that posted that was probably looking for some encouragement, you know, because um, there's always a lot of negative things on, on sites like that or, you know, pages like that. Um, you know, my my veteran's doing this and he's doing that, and it's some really, really terrible things. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was received well. Do you feel like... Um being with Adrian and being on that website, uh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. do you feel like you, you just told me that there's some terrible, terrible things. Do you feel mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, well, Adrian doesn't do that, you know, um, you know does it well, give you a little yeah. bit of. It, it, um, it can, I have to limit myself how much I, look at things and get involved in things because some of the situations are, I mean, there, there have been well checks called to these people's houses by other wives who were on that page um, because of things that were posted. It's some really crazy stuff. So I do have to limit myself. I also get, um, <laughs> I've found myself getting ideas in my head of things that Adrian could be doing based on, what these women are saying their husbands are doing. So I do have to be careful of that, not to project anything that I've read onto him. Um, but it does help when you when you see the posts that are, there's a common theme, you know? I mean, there's a, it's like you can pick them out of a crowd, the, the veterans, you know what I mean? Um, there's a lot of similarities. And it does make you feel better when you know that it's like you're not the only one that's going through that. Or, I mean, not to say that Misery Love Company, but, okay, I don't have it as bad as, as, as they have it. It could definitely be worse. And I'm thankful that I do have a husband that, if, if if nothing else, he tries so hard. And I know he's not trying for himself. He tries to get better for me and for our children. Oh,